a podcast for dads who love music, made by dads who love music. And now, your hosts, Josh and Joe. Hello, and welcome to Dad Rocks, the podcast about being a dad and loving music and how the two intersect in our lives. I'm Josh, and I'm here with my co-host, Joe. What's up, Josh? And our producer, Steve. Hey, guys. Thanks to everyone who checked out our interview with Chris Ballou. We still can't believe how well it went or that it even happened in the first place. Um, and also thanks to those that listened to our recent mini-sode on the Bergen Performing Arts Center. If you haven't checked that one out, take a few minutes to listen, and we hope that you feel inclined to donate some money to them. They really need some help, and they're a great organization, especially if you are in the northern New Jersey area. And today on the show, we are going to be focusing on musical blind spots. These are basically bands, artists that we probably should be listening to based on how they are regarded in the music world, based on other bands that we like, that we listen to, but we just haven't gotten into. These could be bands that uh, were just stubborn over, over time for one reason or another, and we just refuse to listen to. Could be bands that have a very daunting musical uh, catalog that just seems overwhelming to even like where to start. Um, so there's many reasons. It's a very interesting topic for all three of us and I hope for you as well. Uh, it's definitely going to be a music focused episode today. But first, as always, let's talk about what's going on in our personal and parenting lives. Josh, take it away. All right. So uh, as you guys know, I'm a, a public school teacher and um, we just happened to be uh, in the middle of or at the beginning of a second 14 week shut uh, 14, not week, 14 day shutdown. Uh, and this is the second one in a month due to covid uh, cases at our school, um, which is frustrating in many respects. And, you know, at this point where things are just getting you know, worse and worse, uh, part of me is going back to the feeling I had at the beginning of you know the school year, which is just like we should just be remote until January at the earliest. But. We'll see what happens. Um, teaching remotely for the next uh, couple of weeks, and we'll see how things go by then. On that similar note, my wife found out that she will not be having to work in her office until September. So that means she will be working from wow. home till at least September. And then she was told, wow. even then, they may not be asking uh, people to come into the office every day. Uh, they'll be more lenient um, about who comes in and when. Uh, so for us, that's that's kind of uh, interesting. That's what we're kind of waiting for because we might be talking about moving, you know, if mm. uh, things, you know, kind of work out just because our house is, you know, we have a two bedroom house and we would like to expand our family. And while we like where we live right now, it's a little, if we try to find a place in our area, um, it's going to be a little, like it just a, even a, a one more bedroom and the house doesn't need a ton of work, it's uh, going to be a little bit out of our price range. So that's something. And also somehow I'm 7-0 in the fantasy football league that Joe and I are in. Um, yeah, I have like the fourth Boo. least amount of points, and yet still I feel like, I don't know. But I probably just jinxed myself. So, I, you know, if, if the next time I talk about this, I'm 7-6 and six and limping into the playoffs, you know, that'll, that'll be something. Um, but on I'm actually proud of my fantasy uh, yeah. uh, standings right now. But my team's about, I feel it's going to fall apart. But well, I'm, have, I'm in the top three or four. I'm, I'm, I'm up there. 
You have two weeks. You won two weeks uh, of having the highest score. So you did, you get 50 bucks exactly. back, back to you. So that's always big. On the parenting side, we are in the midst of potty training my son. I know I mentioned this in a previous episode about wanting to do this. Uh, we decided to start tackling this over Columbus Day weekend. And my wife was adamant that we do the oh crap method. Um, and I was pretty nervous. But we basically... Did it, and my 26-month-old son is uh, pretty much doing really well. We've, you know, only had Good. two accidents. Yeah, two accidents, and both were in the first week. Um, wow. He has lots of dry diapers when he sleeps. Again, I could be jinxing all of this. Um, <laughs> but um, the interesting thing, and I'm sure Joe can, uh, you know, attest to this, the pooping issue was, was, was crazy at first because we'd have him poop on this little potty, and... Every time he did, he would freak out, shoot up, like stand up, like just like out of the blue Mm -hmm. and start kicking his legs. So poop would just get everywhere. And some like the first Uh. time (laughs) this happened without me being there, my wife was by herself, like he got his Uh. foot in the poop and it was just flinging. It was (laughs) thankfully we we tarped like everything. So nothing got ruined. But what we did is we ended up getting an over the seat potty seat. And since then, you know, he actually, the first few times he freaked out, but, you know, he has nowhere to put his legs. They just kind of hang over so he can't, like, yep. jump up. And he hears the plops go into the toilet, and he finds yes. that hilarious. And, you know, we read him a book while he's doing it, and now he's, like, super chill about it. Great. Again, Good. feel super lucky. Feel like, you know, something's going to come around. My wife's just saying he's going to revert at some point. Something's bad. You know, he's going to have, he's going to do something. Mm. But, you know, on the flip side, while that's going on, he is getting a little more stubborn about everything. You know, he's saying no a lot more. He's, he seems to be frustrated about things. It's probably because everything's the same. Uh, he's, you know, we've, we've had a couple of play dates with some friends. Oh yeah. It's just, you know, we can't go the last week. We have not been able to really have him go outside because it's been raining and cold and, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and it's, it's like, you know, when we're done work now, the sun goes down like an hour. So, you know, we're going to hopefully keep things, uh, you know, try to find ways to keep them active during the winter time and, you know, the fall and winter time, figure this out. It's going to be a slog for us. And, uh, you know, we might have to let him watch some more TV than we, we do right now. I've mentioned it before. We're crazy here. Like we don't, do much. We don't go out. We don't see people. We make people wear masks, even if they're outside, like around us. So it's like, you know, we're glad we don't have to deal with saying no to people and saying, yeah, we're keeping mm-hmm. it small, but potty training. So there's, that's the excitement yes. going on in my house. Yep. Um, what about you, Joe? Well, speaking of potty training and, and blind spots, I hope that, that th- this time will, will become a blind spot for you because it is, it is definitely traumatic. <laughs> I feel like I, I have a, a blind spot in my brain during that period of time, those I few mean, years. Again, you know, you were t- you, when you were telling me about your son uh, on the show, I guess a couple months ago mm-hmm. when I first brought up, I was like, uh, this is going to happen. And again, I feel super lucky. Like, it's like he gets it and he's he the only problem we have is that he says pee on the potty like tons of times and half the time like he just wants to not do whatever he's doing so he can get out of it yes and he uses it as like a way to like you know uh delay whatever he's doing but yeah so i'm sure if we have another another kid i'm sure it's gonna be the total opposite and it'll be you know a total mess so we'll see what happens <laughs> Well, speaking of your mentioned fantasy football, we are in in that league. And I'm also in another league with my son, who's 13. And nice. that has been a, definitely a high, a high point of the fall for us, um, football in general, bonding with him nice. in this fantasy football league. It's me, him, two of his friends, and his cousins. 
they're really into it. All they talk about cool. is when they're together or texting is make their, they're making trades constantly. The one other boy from town in, um, in the league is also on his soccer team, his club soccer team. So whenever I pick him up to go to practice, the whole ride is about fantasy football. The mm. minute he gets into the car, I'm joining, wow. you know, so it's, it's fun that they all kind of bond with that and, and talk about football. And despite I'm a huge Jets fan for all you out there, <laughs> all you fans out there. Um, and despite it being a, a horrifically historically bad uh, season for uh. them, it's so great. I mean, football in general has been, I, I feel a, a real important thing just to have some entertainment, yeah. some joy, you know, being a big football fan and, and, f- and having fantasy football. Of course, it is a little dangerous. And of course, some teams have fans and some of the players have gotten COVID. Hopefully it doesn't all shut down. I'm sure they'll do whatever they can to kind of get through the whole season. But um, so football has been a, a big thing for us, for sure. I think it's cool that, you know, you got, you're doing it with your son. Like, you know, of course, there's that element of potentially this will lead him into becoming a gambler and stuff. But, I, you know, that's that's probably minimal. <laughs> but like, I feel like it's it's a really safe way. And I think it's cool for these kids because like if you don't make it about money and it's just literally about pride and stuff like that, or even if it's, you know, there's a, some sort of trophy at the end, like it's a mm-hmm. great, super safe way for them to be engaged with their friends and be engaged with others in, in, a, in, in a totally social way where, you know, they can still have competitiveness, but it's not like no one's, you know, nothing bad is going to happen other than they're just like their team may stink for a week or something like that. Yeah, no, it's been cool. They're, they're very into it. And I've been waiting for so long to really have them, you know, learn all the players and really get into it. I, you know, when he was six, seven, I was trying eight years old. But it took until about a few years ago, say until he was about maybe 10, mm. you know, nine, 10 to really like get into. He knew some players, but the last few years, now he knows a lot. Now he's but like really into it. He's a giant. And he fan also though, watches, right? he's a, <laughs> I didn't want to mention that, but yes, he is a, he is a Giants fan. So, yeah. you know, he likes Which Danny Dimes. Teams are terrible though. Both teams yeah. are Both, garbage. Yes. He has nothing. Usually he, uh, he, likes to really throw it back in my face being a Jets fan. I'm like, no, we're both the same. Both teams yeah. are horrible for years. <laughs> you're both horrible and you're probably getting the number one draft pick or you'll be able to like, you know, trade mm-hmm. it down to uh, a bunch of draft picks. Yeah, exactly. I just, I always wanted the Jets to have someone really, especially a quarterback helps yep. to have that real guy, franchise guy for him. So maybe he would, that would bring him over, you know, like yeah. to have that yeah. guy that like Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. Trevor Lawrence, maybe he's in our future. We don't know. Darnold mm-hmm. wasn't um, looking bad before he got injured. That's the thing. He wasn't, he wasn't terrible. He just see doesn't- that the, yeah, it's tough. He's in year three, and I guess you want to see more than just not being terrible. <laughs> you know, By yeah. year three, you're like, I want to see him be the, that he's you NFL know he's the ready. guy. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, he shows those spark. He shows those moments. Like Daniel Jones. They're, I feel like he's a similar person. Like very capable is he really the one? No, he's not the one. Uh, no, right? <laughs> like, he, you one. know, he shows you glimpses. Like that run he had recently, that like 70-yard run. Yeah, and, and then he, he falls over on his, his own face. Feet. Like at the that end, is a, like, like <laughs> that, that sums up Daniel Jones. Like, that's, yes. that's his he's Mark talented, Sanchez. but... That's his Mark Sanchez yeah. butt fumble moment. Yes. Yes. Completely. Yes, that's a good call. So. Please make it more <laughs> because I can't see the butt fumble anymore. ESPN has worn that out. But anyway, yeah. I'll, I'll move on. My uh, Speaking of my son, his soccer league has shut down for the next 10 days. Oh, 
Man. due to COVID. Yeah. He's based in Newark, and Newark is really bad right now. I work for a, a pharmaceutical company doing video, and we just got an email today that basically not allowing anyone besides our little small department, because we do shoots there in the studio, um, basically it's going to be closed, the whole campus again for the foreseeable future. And I think they told all staff that basically they're going to be working from home. Yeah. For the you know foreseeable future. So that's basically what's going on with me. I will pass it over to Steve. My workplace uh, definitely seems on edge one because we're going into the fall and just because we're like a, you know, a publishing media company that it's like we get busy in the holidays and you want to like get that like nice work busy, but because of the election uncertainty. And I think just in general, everything being in a, a near disruptive stage, we actually added uh, Carrie champions podcast called the Brown print. And it addresses, you know, the black and Brown women and men who kind of go through these either situations that challenge them growing up and they go through something uh, challenging that has made them grow or, or, or fight to be, you know, represented, I guess, in their industries. And so it's a good thing. But now it's like add, it adds that added tension because of, you know, what's going to happen, I think, with this election. It's been great to cut the promos for her, though, which is cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. And she's she's like a super pro. So that's been nice. But I feel like everyone kind of understands that the next few weeks are going to be kind of uncertain. They're going to be um, election challenges and that yet we're still going to have to be expected to kind of work at a high level. So now is the time to get into our musical black holes. These are bands, artists that we really don't know a lot about. We don't really listen to. We may know a few hits here and there. We may be stubborn just for one reason or another. Again, their their catalog might be very daunting and you go, oh man, how can I, where, where, where do I start? It's something that we have talked about a lot over the years. Bands that we surprisingly don't know a lot about. Although we feel like we should, especially with like critics telling you, you know, over and over for years, maybe that you should. So I'm going to start off my musical black hole with Mr. Frank Zappa. She wrote a list of this is all I know about Frank Zappa. Mm-hmm. He's supposedly a great guitar player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He has a song about peeing in the snow. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. He had a band, or I guess an album called Mothers of Invention back uh, in the it was, it was around. Band. 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 Yep. Um, one of his sons is Dweezil Zappa, who's also a very good guitar player, so I hear. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
He has a daughter named Moon, who Moon Unit, is an actress, Moon Unit, a Moon Unit, and she dated Mark Maron for yep. a little bit. Um, I know Frank Zappa was involved with the Tipper Gore trials in the mid '80s. Yep. With Dee Snyder fighting against her and the obscenity music thing. And I know he has a ton of albums, like 50 or 60 albums or more. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Very eclectic music. I know he's like a smarty pants kind of kind of guy, like sort mm-hmm. of a cocky person, or you know, was it like a cocky person? Um, I've never attempted to listen to any of it. I think I heard like clips of his songs maybe over the years, and that's it. Like I mm. really have no knowledge of his music. So, I know he's sort of divisive too, but you know, sure. generally considered like a you know pretty important artist. So, so I'm I, I'm actually not surprised he's a blind spot for you. Like I would I would never have pinned you as someone who would ever want to listen to Zappa. Just be, and I'm mm-hmm. being serious because yeah. if you if you listen to him, it is not in your wheelhouse. It's basically sure. it really is like avant garde um, stuff. There is some you know things that have like some musical things, but. You know, he's very avant-garde. He's very, you know, connected into the jazz world. Like, you mm-hmm. know, yes, his, heard, his, yeah. his album Hot Rats is pretty much a jazz album. Like that. that and, you know, uh, Peaches and Regalia is in, I think, either in the real book or in the fake book. It's like college jazz bands play that song. Um, yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you're, you know, there's a couple of stuff like his live from New York or live from the Fillmore East. I forget which one is. Some of the stuff you might like, you might say, oh, this is cool. But mm-hmm. I can't see you like really diving deep into <laughs> into the Zappa stuff. Um, yeah. So you know, I'm not surprised. Like he's a he is a great guitar player. Like I remember when my dad bought uh, when we were part of the BMG Music Club. He bought um, Rolling it for the Money. Yeah, yeah, I think it was that one. We're Rolling for the Money or the uh, the one that came right after it. And like I kind of got into Zappa a little bit, and then we rented uh, 200 motels. It was a 2000. Yeah, 200 motels. And it was like so beyond bizarre. Like I just was like, "Ah, uh, no thanks." You know, if you get his, if you get his like greatest hits, like there's some stuff mm-hmm. you might like. Um, yeah, yeah. That, I'm, that sure that, live, I'm sure there will be. And there's like a like that live in New York album. Um, like there's some stuff. I mean, he's got great players. Uh, you know, Ter- Terry Terry Bazio is is is, is the drummer. Oh, like, yeah. on mm-hmm. a lot of like his mid '70s stuff. Like he wrote a drum drum solo for him. Like that's supposed to be impossible, but like, you know, the early like if you if you go on YouTube and you look up Frank Zappa playing a bicycle, right? He's like on some like show in the '60s as a percussionist, like yeah. playing a bicycle. How long have you been playing bike, uh, Frank? <laughs> About two weeks. <laughs> he probably was selling insurance or something. And he thought, what's something real jerky that'll get me on the Steve Allen show? <laughs> Playing bicycle. What could be sillier than that? And he did it, and here we are. That's probably how it happened. You can pluck the spokes like a harp. Sounds like the uh, Kyoto of Japan. I can play uh, my nose. <laughs> really, do that again. I mean that other thing. So don't worry about missing Frank Zappa, you know, for, for you, Joe. Like, it's not, yes. I don't feel. Or it's just going to be, yeah, like, you're going to be on the edges of it. 
Yeah, I, I never really had any desire to get into it. I just thought he, I know he's very famous, so I thought that'd be a good, you know, good yeah, place to start. My 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 three picks are all in the same vein. My second choice is Tom Waits. Hanging out the window with a bottle full of rain, clap hands, clap hands, clap hands, clap hands. I know, I know Tom Waits wrote Downtown Train, and I only know Downtown Train because it was a big hit for Rod Stewart in mm. 1989. Um, I know Rain Dogs is supposed to be his masterpiece album sure. yep. in the early 80s. Um, I, I did hear one song. He, he covered a, a Ramon song for a Ramon's tribute album I have that I listened to a lot. Uh, he covered The Return of Jackie and Judy. In a Tom very Tom Waits style, I have heard like, again like bits and pieces of this. So I know the vibe that he has that like trash can blues vaudeville thing going yeah, on. Totally, I, I kind of get the idea of like what he is. But then there's people like I, we, me and Steve are big fans of Tom Sharpling <laughs> from the Best Show, yeah. and he yep. constantly makes fun of <laughs> Tom Waits. What song is this? Uh, Innocent when you dream. Slow it down. Make it sound woozier. Things I was in the alley. Sounds good. Eating some fish bones on a garbage can lid. <laughs> so with these musical blind spots, sometimes it is with people that you kind of read or listen to comedians or like other just sort of commentators. And you've, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of his musical takes. And I just know from him yep. like busting on Tom Waits, like, yeah, I'm never going to like get ever get into <laughs> Tom Waits. Like, it's kind of ridiculous, like what he sounds like and the whole thing. So, yeah, he's um, more of like a persona, it seems to me, right? Like, it's like, obviously he is yes. that guy, but. I almost wonder how much is cultivated persona. Like I've totally. always wondered that about Tom for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I'm with you, Joe. Like I, I never even thought about even listening to Tom Waits <laughs> as a black hole, just like, cause I, I never like he, he's in my periphery. Like I know him, like the first time I ever heard him was on Primus's um, Tommy, the cat, um, mm. oh, yeah. you know, um, and that's pretty much all I've, you know, I've heard a couple of tunes. I can't even tell you what I've heard, but like, I know he's a great songwriter. Um, and that's pretty much all I know about him. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, again, I, think I actually he, think he's a better actor than a songwriter too. Like I think his <laughs> stuff with like Jeremy yeah, is better. Yeah. I was going to mention that one of the few things I saw him in was uh cigarettes and coffee. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. has that scene with Iggy pop. Hey, you know, you could call me Jim. I mean, you know, my friends call me Jim or they call me Jimmy or Iggy or Iggy. Call me, call me Iggy. Call me Iggy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Whichever way you're comfortable, I go either way, Jim or Iggy. 
Iggy. Anyway, you, you call me Iggy. Look, I'm sorry I'm late, Jim. Boy, whew. Four-car pileup. Oof. I delivered a baby this morning about 9 o'clock. I was saving lives. I was out there on the highway. It was... You know, there's nothing worse than roadside surgery. You know, you don't have your own tools, and it's just... It's murder. I performed a tracheotomy with a ballpoint pen, and I'm... Whew. I've been busy. Wait a minute. You're a doctor? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a doctor. You I mean, I, music and medicine, really. It's really been my thing, is, is combining the two. So good. And, yeah, he was good in it. And I know he's in some of those other Jim Jarmusch uh, movies and stuff. Down by and... Law is really good. Yeah. But his singing, yeah, it's like, I can take or leave it. I can't I can't listen to it in long doses either. It's like, I love clap hands and, and like you're saying with Rain Dogs and um, some of the stuff off of like Nighthawks the Diner. But I can't, yeah, I could never listen to like album after album in a, in a night. I just can't. And he it. has some people who are just diehard, right? Die hard. Like, well, fans and it's like, I don't know. I don't but get it's it. Just, to connect him and Zappa, because Zappa has, you know, diehard fans. But, like, I hope, hopefully I'm not, like, this is not your third pick. But Captain Beefheart is kind of, like, in that same yeah, vein. Totally. Like, mm -hmm. Cap who, Captain Beefheart started with Zappa. Like, his first, or he didn't start, but he was, like, in, in the Zappa world. Like, mm -hmm. his first album, like, uh, Safe as Milk, awesome. Great, great, yep. great, great, great. And then you get to... Uh, was it trout? Uh, trout uh, head mask or uh, trout mask replica? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trout mask replica. I've tried listening to that. It's like <laughs> people are like, "Oh my god, it's a masterpiece!" It's avant -garde. It's it is like, it is. You know, I, I you know, I try to be open minded, but I couldn't get through it. Like it was just what is music? Like that's yeah. yeah it's yeah. like that's what that album is trying to guess. It's like it's like so, what is actually so, music? Yeah. So Captain Beefheart was originally going to be one of my picks. I, I, I did. Yes. Yeah, so you're, you're right. And back to, I mentioned Mark Marin in the, in my Frank Zappa uh, yeah. facts that I knew. And, you know, Marin, if you listen to WTF, he does mention about Captain Beefheart and Zappa. And I feel exactly like him. Like he, you just hear like the stress in his voice. Like, ah, do I really need to like, get into this? <laughs> like, like it's a chore. Yeah. And that's how exactly how I feel. Like, life is hard like i just want to be in i want to enjoy like music i don't i don't mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a chore i was gonna have, I want to, feel have like you're to doing be homework. Yeah. yeah so i didn't have him but my third choice again in a sort of similar vein is uh king crimson
Oh, wow. Yeah, I could yeah. see that. So there have been that I know, again, very respected, like huge cult following. I know Robert Fripp is on guitar or was on guitar. For the first few albums, yeah, yeah. For them. I know they have a lot of different lineups. And I know like Court of the Crimson King is supposed to be like their biggest song, I guess, or like one of their more popular songs. Mm-hmm. And growing up, my parents had a wooden table and underneath that table was a full painting of the In the Court of the Crimson King album cover. Oh, cool. Nice. And that's like the only thing I know about them is that <laughs> that album cover. And that's it. I never chose to listen to them. I never had any desire. Although I feel <laughs> out of the three, I could maybe see myself slightly getting into them, at, you know, more them yeah. than the other two. Yeah, you know, and they're definitely that that album. I've listened to a few times. Again, like I, I, I think I approached the musical blind spots and black holes a little differently than you did. And like I, and but this again, there there would be another band like them, and like almost like uh, in the same vein, Moody Blues. Um, I feel like would be mm-hmm. you know, totally. Everyone just knows Knights in White Satin, but yeah, so I like, know everything mm-hmm. is yes, you know. Such a deep. Um, yeah, it's it's. I've tried listening to them too, and it's like you know. But mm. I, I won't. Um, they're not on my list, but like you got me thinking about more bands. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, I, I was I, I was looking at I was thinking of you know these musical blind spots is like bands I really have no knowledge of their catalog. Like I'm, sure. besides maybe a song, like I'm so I don't know anything about them. I think though, for you know, I I don't want to you know put words in your mouth or anything like that, but I feel. Like for you, they, these bands don't even run in in your lane. Like it would be, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be like like I could understand if you're you know coming from like an audiophile's perspective or if mm-hmm. you're like a, a, mu- a musicographer or something like that. Then it'd be like, oh, I really need to know this. But like mm-hmm. like you said, you just want to enjoy music, and for, you mm-hmm. know everything that you listen to does not even come close <laughs> to like what these guys are doing, what these bands <laughs> no. do. Like it's you know you you pretty much have. All th- well, Tom Waits is his own is his own thing. Uh, but like you know, Zappa and you know uh, King Crimson were pretty much early prog rock. Like it's like and yeah, you, totally. And you don't like maybe you listen to some Rush, but I don't think so. Like, no, I don't. You know, again, all. it's like you know, no, yeah. you, it's not it's not in your musical lane. So Rush <laughs> would basically also be there. Besides, I do know like the f- uh, five to six you know classic rock songs that yeah. are you know. Sure. Classic rock radio, which I know very well. Those songs. That's it. I've never listened to an album. Mm. That's it. Never an album track. Yeah. So they're like in that same sort of vein yeah. to me too. Rush. But again, it's like you know, if you were picking bands like that were in you know the punk rock, garage rock realm, mm-hmm. like that would make that would be a little more shocking. But like these guys, like mm-hmm. yeah, I, you know, I would That's never true. pinned you as like, oh, you're you're listening to this? Like it's you know. So <laughs> I think it's. But I think this is interesting because. You do, you know, it also, you start thinking about, oh man, there's just so much music out there. And like, yeah. you know, it's hard to even pick like, you know, these guys who you're supposed to know, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't have time to listen to, to some of this stuff. You know? No, exactly. And, you know. Yeah. A lot of it is time. And I think that's, that's the one thing I would say about Zappa is like, I love hot rats and I love, I just got freak out and I love both those albums, but yeah, that I was, just, yeah. Freak out. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. But that's such a daunting thought to go deeper. You know what I mean? It's like, like yes. Joe was saying before, it's like, I almost am like, I'm, I'm never going to grasp it because to, to do that would take years. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that's how I feel like. Yeah. Absolutely. So who so, would like to go next in their musical Steve, why don't you go? You were, you were, you're, 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 go ahead. Okay, cool. All right. So, um, 
I kind of went through uh, three different iterations. One is um, a blind spot of a band that I am growing to love now, but I definitely had a block. The second band is a band that I should love and I was raised on, but I think it was like, oh, that's parents' music. And then the last choice is a band that I should be the biggest super fan of, and it's unreal that I'm not. And I, I still am I'm trying to grasp. So uh, the first one is The Velvet Underground. Ooh, those were different times. All, all the poets, they studied rules of verse, and those ladies, they rolled their eyes. think that um you know growing up the big thing for me was my parents and my dad especially were not big fans of Lou Reed and and John Cale and the whole thing and I don't actually know why he never got into them he just kind of I think I, I remember a couple times back in the day like when a, a Velvet song would play on the radio he'd kind of like turn it he just he would get that like twisted look on his face and he'd change mm. the, the radio dial um, Did you ask like, him if he saw them live and they were terrible? Because, that's, I, you know, that's it. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. There must have been some reason that, like, turned him off, you know? And I exactly Was he at Max's Kansas City in 1971? <laughs> Did Lou yeah. Reed, like, you know, him off or something like that? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It was really weird. But, like, he would never change Walk on the Wild Side or um, Sweet Jane. I remember loving those songs myself. Um, and then, obviously, when I saw, like, Wes Anderson movies use some of their stuff. Um, so it's weird that... Like I said, it never permeated like my world. And then um, my buddy Jason in college was a huge fan and he would routinely play Loaded, Velvet Underground and Nico and White Light, White Heat. And that was like a phase in my life that I started to listen to and like All Tomorrow's Parties, The Black Angels Death Song and Oh Sweet Nothing. And like, I kind of like got that they were, you know, turning that, that those genres and styles of rock and roll on their head. They were trying to like, like I, mean, I was talking to Joe the other day and he's like, these, this was a band that was not just trying to sell singles. They weren't just trying to uh, make happy pop or different things like that. Like they were going to confront like drug use and abuse and, you know, yep. different types of personalities and LGBT things. And, you know what I mean? Like they were really like expanding what rock and roll was. And I appreciate that. Like that's the one thing that still to this day blows my mind is like I grew up, you guys know, I love XTC, um, Ween. Primus, Gandarva's was like this small, like, uh, Canada band that was weird and out there and kind of avant-garde. But for some weird reason, I think it was that one that they didn't feel as accessible. And it kind of bugs me because I listen to a lot of college rock now and college radio. And it's like, I don't know, I, I, I never understood the blockage. I think it was that 
that pretentiousness, that vibe of like the Velvet Underground is, you know, if you're not cool and hip, you like don't like them or something. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, for sure. Gr growing up, I always would read, uh, you know, lists like Rolling Stones, album lists and stuff like that. And that was always high up there, Velvet Underground and Nico. Right? But I didn't listen yeah. to it. It was never on the radio ever, in New York classic rock never played velvet underground maybe lou mm. reed walking the wild side but um i didn't really know it till i was like really in my 20s yeah um and it's great i mean the debut i love the the sort of the myth around velvet underground and nico the whole th that that's mm -hmm. unbelievable like when you read about it and put it in context of how it influenced the entire next decade like of punk rock basically mm -hmm. like every single band cites the velvet underground and the stooges as yeah. Like the cornerstones, like from the Sex Pistols, Ramones, everybody, it just, you know, television, everyone cites them. It's, they're amazing. I mean, it still yeah. holds up. Their reach, today. Yeah. their influence is so massive. Well, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it was interesting that you said that, like, they, you know, that they didn't try to make pop music. And when, like, if you dig deep down, like, a lot of these songs really are pop songs. And, yeah, um, for sure. you mm -hmm. know, and then even, you know, when they put out Loaded, um, you know, it was, you know, they supposedly the, the thing was that the the uh, the record company said, I, I mean, we need you to put out all like just a bunch of hits. And like Lou Reed just was like, OK. And he just like, you know, made the simplest, wow. like just churned them out, yeah. churned them out. He literally and, you did. Know, great songs. But like I was like, I was kind of the same, same boat as you were. It's like, well, my dad didn't not like them. He just didn't actively listen to them. I, th I don't like I don't know if he had records like uh, of them, but we didn't have them in the house. Like I only knew mm -hmm. White Light, White Heat. Maybe I'd heard Sweet Jane a couple times, but it wasn't for me like I never, you know, again, like, you you know, you know about them. You've heard some things. Um, you know, there's some good, there's good songs. But like for me, I know it took me a while to get into them because I was just always like, uh, their drummer is like just using like a, a just a bass drum. Like she's it's so like, why? Like, you know, right. I think it really it was it must have been either the Black Crows or maybe My Morning Jacket covering like Oh Sweet Nothing and mm -hmm. um, or like hearing it in a movie. It was just like, oh, mm -hmm. man, this is a great song. It's just like, yeah, yep. then just you. You, it just kind of gets you and you listen. Yep. And it's like, oh, man, I think also it got me. You know, uh, my buddy Henry, who's in, in my band, The Cheap Moves, he's a big Velvet fan. And, mm. you know, he, he gave me a John Cale album. And this was probably around the same time that I was listening to, uh, you know, started listening to WTF with Marin, just bring him up again. But he when he interviewed John Cale, like that, mm. that interview was like, oh, man, like I got to go back and listen to like some of this stuff. Yeah. Because that was a really, you know, eye-opening, interesting interview. And But like I'm in the same boat as you, Steve. It like was. I feel like it... I didn't get into them when, you know, I knew some friends who were into them in high school and college and just like, it didn't hit me till I was older. I needed to grow up and really like yes. open my brain yeah. a little bit to get into Sam, them. my brain had to grow. I, and that's the thing I'm, I'm realizing now. It's just you're the closure to certain types of sounds or the closure to certain types of, of styles of music. I think, yeah, it's, I had to open my mind. Yeah. And then um, number two is a band that I love all of their biggest hits and I love even some of their almost like deep cut songs and it's Steely Dan.
And man, my they were dad, really close to being my musical blind spot. Were they? Ahead. Oh man, I think for a lot of people they can be. Um, the original dad just, rock band, exactly. <laughs> and I think, like my dad played Pretzel Logic and Aja a lot. He's my parents have seen them like three or four times, and I love Hey Nineteen, Do It Again, Dirty Work. Like still, like even back in the day, listening to classic rock radio, loved those songs. But I think it was the songs that were a little bit more soft jazz or a little bit more what some people might say is like yacht rock like. So reeling in the years, Peg and Ricky don't lose that number. I think there was a time where I would roll my eyes at that stuff. But now I have moments where I can't get enough of that. And sometimes I want that kind of aesthetic. So I don't know if it was just that, oh, it's stuff that my parents listen to and they're old and I'm listening to like Metallica and Guns N' Roses now. It could have been some of that growing up. But as I've grown older, it's weird. Like, I don't know about you guys, but it's just certain things like I'll see in a record store. Like I've seen Aja recently in like great shape and I should have grabbed it because it was only like 20 bucks and I didn't. And I'm just, I don't yeah. get it. Age is a great album. Like, that's, yeah. you know, I mean, for me, you know, I, I never hated Steely Dan, never like really got fully into them. We had like the greatest hits like uh, on CD. So I, I knew their stuff from that and liked everything i heard but yeah i think for me you know they're definitely one of those bands that you know you either most people either like or really hate like and or can't yeah, get into you so. know i yeah. only know the hits for them and i i do enjoy the hits i mean classic rock in new york would play radio would play reeling in the years do yep. it again yep. and Ricky don't lose that number. I didn't even actually know it was them like for many years. I just knew the song. Well, sometimes the sound is wasn't even different. Sure. It has changed a lot, right? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't always Donald Fagan singing everything. Um, mm. And the band changed yeah. lineups, you know, from the 70s to what it became, which was basically just, you know, Fagan and Becker. Or, but I've yeah. never listened to an album. I've mm. Now, they're a band I'm almost stubbornly have not listened to. <laughs> <laughs> and our well, their Joshua fans cousin kind of be, you know, will always make fun, he kind of brings up, he like makes fun of me, like Steely Dan <laughs> with me because I'm I'm always like mad at Don, uh, Donald Fagan, he's the main guy, yeah, Donald yeah. Fagan, yeah, because he's just sort of like an ass that he's sort of like very like I don't know cocky and and he has a certain thing about him that he's just, a Jersey boy like. though, like he's from Jersey. <laughs> Oh, is he? I didn't know. Yeah, wow. I, I saw. I saw him in New Brunswick. I won tickets on on Q one hundred four like one year, and he was talking about growing up. I think either New Brunswick or East Brunswick or something like that. So I think uh, he's I from don't New think Jersey. I knew that. Yeah, because they yeah, met up in uh, was it Bard College? They went up in uh, Maine, um, or is it Bates? Whatever. The, there was a college up in Maine that they that they met at. Um, nice. But yeah, I mean, I know Pretzel Logic's the big one, but I really love Asia. But I also love it's it cool because cover. Bernard Purdy plays drums on it. Like there's a there's the the Ooh. solo in the song Asia. Like the drum solo is just like so killer, and like some of the the drumming on there is just so good. But well, yeah. Asia is always supposed to be the album that you like test your stereo with. I always hear right. it's like the, right. that's like the album. And yeah. I think I've heard that so many times that I'm like, I'm not going to own this. Like, and then part <laughs> of me is like, maybe I should just do it and break down. And break. so I have a lot of conflict with Steely Dan. And now there's, there's a major Steely Dan, like Renaissance, similar yeah. to the Grateful Online. Dead. I feel it's like in that same vein of like, 
our like dads and and you well, know guys you got, our age like in their forties like Pete Davidson story like the yeah uh, <laughs> oh yeah yeah like they're into yeah all these people like Pete Davidson no he just Mulaney just took him to the Mulaney's into him oh yeah yeah he took him to the concert and then like. He like supposedly Davidson just like started like like we're at a rock concert everyone stand up or something like that it was just some some bizarre thing he didn't understand yeah like, that, that's how I would react to this like, I know right I yeah no um, yeah, I think Donald Fagan also has a very like he's always kind of make a fun of rock and roll he's, oh yeah the whole he the has whole these comments rocker, the whole I don't like that whole Hall thing, of Fame so I, I'm rock always stubborn thing. yeah yeah the, the Rock and Roll Hall of yeah. Fame thing where they like got the award they were there and then they're like eh we think it's a joke we're selling our award it's like you know. Just do what other bands have done and not show up. Like, you know. Exactly. You know, so. Yep. It'll break through. I, I think it's it's in time, just like I think the Velvet eventually was. And then my last one is one that I know is going gonna, is gonna to break Joe's heart. But I, I um, and it's not for lack of trying and it's not for lack of not liking. And it's Ty Siegel. There's nothing left to say. Ty is an artist that, like, for every sense of the word, is somebody I should love and is somebody that aligns with my musical taste. He's truly DIY. He operates on word of mouth. He loves fuzzed out rock and roll. And he's like this underground hero. You know what I mean? Like, he kind of mm -hmm. keeps a low profile, but he kind of elevates other artists. And I saw him live once uh, at the Warsaw solo, and he blew the crowd away and he blew me away. And I'd kind of heard you know, differing things about how his live shows can kind of lack, you know, certain kinds of uh, energy and different stuff. So, yeah, you, you saw the acoustic show. Yeah, like stripped in, down. In Warsaw, he, which I wanted to go to. I, I missed that one. I've only yeah. seen him when he's plugged in and rocking yeah. out. At just in general, he he was able to to bring a fierceness to his <laughs> his acoustic set. I don't know how to explain it, but it was awesome. And it yeah, he's, he's totally in your, in your warehouse. Yeah, he's garage rock. He's, you know, white stripes, vein. Yeah. He's got all that going on. I've been, I'm a huge, massive Ty Siegel fan. I have have a yeah. lot of his albums. He has, if you don't know, he releases like usually multiple albums a year. <laughs> Side projects. Under different projects. And yeah. I don't have everything, but I usually stick to like when he's his main, like he'll have like one like main release a year and then like side bands and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, he actually has another one just came out called Fuzz. Is a is a one that just came out, but crazy. Yeah, Steve, do you think the the seeing that show, like, did you? I mean, you knew of him oh, before, yeah. right? Like, so you mm -hmm. knew of him oh, yeah. before, but then yeah. do you think like seeing that show was like, oh, maybe like I can get into him, and then because it was so different, like that it kind of 
blocked you from being able to like really because you're like, I know yeah. what he can become, but like mm-hmm. I don't I can't get into everything else. Cause I know with some bands, like I'll hear like their first few albums and they just take a, a hard right or something will change. And I'm just like, I can't get over that hump. Like it's not what I like out of them. Like that, that kind of thing. Do you think that's, you know, yeah. Affecting you? There's definitely um, a form of that. Cause I, I, I basically had heard from a bunch of people, not just Joe about seeing him live. And they said that there, there wasn't that dynamic of like, you know, heavy, loud in your face, kind of bringing that energy and some of the songs you hear, I mean, taste uh, the, from the most recent album, but break a guitar and even my lady's mm-hmm. on fire, Great even song. though it's like a subtle song, it could be very rocked out live. And like, I just heard and saw some live videos on YouTube and I was like, eh, this isn't really what I expected. And I think that I expected a very stripped down chill show in the acoustic show. And in fact, it was heavier and more fierce than I've ever seen him perform ever. And I'm like, is this just like his shtick? Like, does he like to like blow your expectations the completely the opposite way? I don't know. It was really weird. The last time I saw him was he was, he did this run in New York city, um, through oh, different yeah. venues. He did like a five night run and each night he would play the, his brand new album front to back. And then he chose a different album to play also mm-hmm. like start to finish. So it was like, you're hearing two albums That's crazy. and we went on the, um, manipulator night which is nice. i think is his best album yeah and that was the best i ever saw him i just because those songs are great the one thing with him is he does get i mean he's basically all his albums are in this very same you know genre it's like all pretty much the same kind of thing mm-hmm. some of them are just a little more like out there and a little more uh thrashy or you know fuzzy and a little more out there but when he kind of sticks to his like manipulators has a lot more hooks to it mm-hmm. and very catchy and if he like just almost, he's a little stubborn in that he has that like, like you said, DIY. He's a little like almost too like anti-rock star. Mm-hmm. Like if he just sort of played along a little bit and like did those couple little rock star moves. Exactly. Live and stuff. Meaning like with, even with like the stage lights are super basic. And there's something about it. If he like did it, ramped it up a little bit. I always thought he would be huge. He'd be like a really big, but he doesn't need to be. I mean, he sells out right wherever yep. he plays or he's doing fine. But yeah. Um, and he has a ton of great songs. I mean, some songs are just like, like it's a really fuzzy and really thrashy, but then he has like dozens of songs that are super catchy. Like, um, Melody's on fire. Yeah. Great. So that, I remember he, that's on that album. And when he played it, like the whole crowd was singing along. It was yeah. like very moving. Same, same for my show. And I think that's like his most popular song on Spotify. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, I, you, you should definitely get into him for sure. He's right up yeah. your alley. Yeah, keep been keep trying. I, I, Josh too. Josh too. I, well, I've I've listened to some stuff. You know, it's not like I don't hate him. It's just again, like, um, and I have nothing against him. It's just he never grabbed me in a way where it's like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing. Like, I have too much other stuff to like, mm-hmm. you know, to, to sure. listen to. And it's you know, I I I I know him. I appreciate what he does. Like, I love his uh, Nielsen cover EP that mm-hmm. he did. Um, I thought that was very yeah, intuitive. Very cool. I love his buddy Michael Cronin. Like, you know, big oh, yeah. Fan of there him. you go. But yeah, that, exactly. that's another thing. It's like you know, Cronin's in that in that wheelhouse, but Cronin's definitely more like poppy and like. Yeah. You know, it yeah. is different. Um, he has a sweeter voice if yeah. he wants to, too. But, you know, again, like I know of Ty Siegel. I wouldn't say yeah. that like I'm actively don't listen to him. It's just, you know, I he like garage rock is not like totally my my thing. I, I enjoy it in, in certain you know instances. But like mm-hmm. and I'm sure I would love seeing him live. I'm sure he'd blow my mind. But, you know, just not. 
just not like uh, not an active listener, really. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it is tough. And uh, I guess it's my turn now. When I was thinking about this, you know, there's so many different bands. And, you know, I was thinking initially, like kind of what Steve was mentioning about how like his parents, you know, definitely influenced. And I talked about this on the very first episode, like how my dad's musical taste directly influenced my musical taste in a lot of respects. So I had a lot of early blind spots like Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, uh, pretty much (laughs) any kind of rock and roll or, or, you know, pop rock from like 1972 till I, you know, 1991, when I started listening to, you know, what was on the radio, like I pretty much Mm -hmm. had no clue about anything because my mom was a folk head. Like she listened to like Dylan and Harry Chapin and, you know, those were her, her people, Phil Oaks. Um, and the only album really within that, uh, you know, was Paul Simon's uh, Graceland. Um, and, you know, just really Paul Simon in general. Like those were the, that was the only person. Summer like, yeah. Like they were, my mom was a, is a huge Paul Simon fan. Mm. Uh, my dad really liked him too. So like I had a lot of blind spots growing up, which I've now caught up and, and filled covered. In, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, one of the, uh, but for like my actual blind spots, one of them was originally when we were talking about this uh, was going to be Radiohead, yeah. which, you know, was a band that I actively, actively, actively did not listen to when I was a teenager and in my twenties, um, you know, like I, I knew, I knew creep. I thought that was pretty cool though. Um, but I just, I never got, I never really listened to Pablo honey. And then I didn't even know the Benz came out. And then when okay, computer came out, like I knew karma, like karma police. police. Yeah. yeah yep. that, that was yep. it. But it was like, eh, like, okay, I don't know what the, what, what, you know, why this band is so big. And then I remember, in college, my one of my roommates had like a Kid A poster, and by that time, I was just like, okay, or either you know, it was either Kid A or Amnesiac poster, and I was just like, mm-hmm. you know, Radiohead, like they, it's uh, you know, they the, they just do stuff like the that critics, they, darlings, yeah, the, the, the criti- like totally. they do stuff that like is so out there that the critics have no idea what what they're doing, so they just give them five stars. That was like my the way I, I, right, I yeah. approached it. But like, you know, over time in my twenties I got a hold of like okay computer, sat down, listened to it. Uh, a band that I was working with in uh, at my camp played just from the Benz. And like so I listened to the Benz and I was like, oh, because the, the, that song Just is so good. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm, yeah. like I should listen to this album. And then recently, you know, with um, Steve Hyden's book that came out, I was like, okay, I, I got to go listen to to Kid A, which is like an amazing album. Like I will, you know, so I feel like Radiohead was a blind spot. It is now less of a blind spot, you know, and I have in yeah, Rainbows, cool. I have, um, awesome. you know, with the uh, Moon. Hail to the Thief or not? Uh, I don't have Hail to the Thief. I've listened to, I've listened to all their, like their newer stuff at least once. It's not cool. bad. It's just like, I didn't, never gave it the time to like listen and like focus on it. It's not like I'm actively trying to not listen to them um, or that they're a musical blind spot anymore. These next three or four bands are uh, artists. Um, I'll start with one that uh, is less, you know, I don't think a lot of people listen to it. It's definitely someone that I probably should be listening to and just never have gotten into. Yeah. And like, uh, that's Andrew Bird. Sky 
I knew of Andrew Bird because I'm pretty sure he was on the first Squirrel Nut Zippers album playing violin, or uh, it was on oh, really? a Squirrel Nut Zippers album playing violin. Huh. Yeah, I didn't know. Um, that. I forget if it was the first one or it was one of them. But yeah, so I knew of him, and then when people started saying he put out albums, like I just never got into him. And then I was like in a band with a guy who loved him, Kansas, and like I tried, and I just I don't know. It's like I just something's just not cl- doesn't click with me with, with yeah. his stuff mm-hmm. but he's a guy who like is in that like you know americana style stuff that i really like and you know and it, it just nothing clicked and i don't think either of you guys really listened to him either so no. i don't know you know no i tried myself many yeah. times i, I not- know this song uh capsized only yeah. because um wfuv used to play it a lot and I did really like it but that was as far as my Andrew Bird knowledge uh, got I actually never explored anything other than that but I did like that song a lot yeah I mean he's not bad it's like in you know I know he's very talented I just Mm -hmm. it doesn't you know it doesn't like stick with me and you know again he's not the biggest star so it's not like a huge deal but like for the music that I listen to like and a lot of stuff like I feel like that is you know, he's a guy who I probably should be really into, mm-hmm. but just because and, and but also he's got such a large catalog. Like, it's tough to, yep. like, jump into it and figure out where am I supposed to start? Like, how am I supposed to, to navigate this? I mean, it's not like it's not like Zappa or anything, like that, no, but, but, you know, still. he still has a lot of albums that it's just like, I don't know, man. Like, I just I don't have the time. Like, it's, you know, what I've heard. Sure. It, he just doesn't grab me. And like, for me, it's like I got to be, you know, something's got to grab Same. me and like hold on i gotta like feel it and uh, he, he just doesn't so he's my first one that really you know that is a musical blind spot and again i'll try to listen to him again you know if my buddy tyler is listening to me uh, listen to this episode <laughs> like i will try once again but i just don't know man like i don't know if it's gonna take maybe when i'm like 50 it'll take but not not now <laughs> um <laughs> So the next band is a band that I I have a, like one or two albums of, you know, don't really listen to them. I like the songs that are on the radio. They're a band I should really be into. I, you know, appreciate them. Um, and that is Fish. So, like, 
My history with fish is that when I was in seventh and eighth grade, I was totally into, unknowingly, I was getting into the jam band scene, mm-hmm. though I was someone who was shied away from any kind of smoking, any kind of doing drugs. Um, but like I was huge into Dave Matthews band, loved Rusted Root, um, eventually got into like Medeski, Martin Wood, you know, loved that a lot of the music that was coming out of that scene. Um, in, I think it was 96, 95 or 96, I think it was 96, 97. Um, one of my good friends at the time had tickets to go see fish at Madison square garden. And I was just like, you know, at that point, I think I knew bouncing around the room. Um, and that was about it. Maybe down with disease, but I think just bouncing around the room from the, from a live one. Yep. And at the time I was like, eh, you know, maybe, uh, no, you know, I don't want to deal with all that pot smoke. Like I just, you know, I, I you know, I don't. <laughs> Those darn pot smokers. Yeah, I mean, like, again, I don't have time I was, for that. You know, I was 12, 13. I just. <laughs> just but, but again, like I didn't know if I wanted to go just because like, wasn't it so, oh, you know, I, I, I didn't go see Fish and suppose it was a great show. But again, like having tried to listen to them, uh, I've, you know, I've listened to several of their albums. I have, do you like Oysterhead or any of his other things he's worked on? So let me, I'll get into, I'll get into that in a second. So like, um, some of the stuff that fish does, like I love, like, yeah. you know, I think they are a great cover band. Like their right. Halloween shows yeah, I've heard some of are that. really, really good. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, their, their cover, when they did Quadrophenia, their cover of 515 is just so good. It's, it really is great um they did uh they did a little feed album i think they did all waiting for columbus that was really good like they're a great band they're great musicians i just their own stuff i just can't get into like you know Mm. i like a couple of their songs i've tried um i'm you know one of my best friend from college is is a big fish fan i I just never wanted to go to a fish show like i never really wanted Mm. to like i'm sure if someone like was like here's a free ticket let's go i'd be like oh yeah this is gonna be cool yeah. But so you asked about Oysterhead. So I I don't mind Oysterhead. I like them. I you know I like all three of those guys. I like Les Claypool though. Like mm-hmm. he kind of like his stuff got so bizarre and out there. I just kind of like lost interest in what he was doing. But at the time when they came out in two thousand three, two thousand four, like mm-hmm. I was so excited. Like Stuart Copeland, you know Les Claypool, Trey Anastasio. Like this is mm-hmm. gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that album kind of just like their live stuff when they was it, it was like at some I guess Jazz Fest jam thing that was like awesome. But then their live albums were their, their first album was just like Meh. like it's like it mm-hmm. didn't hit as as much as I wanted it to. Yeah. Um, you know. And but the thing with fish with, also could have been on my list, by the way. But yeah. Oh, yeah. I just to interject yeah. with that. Yeah. Sure. No, not like, surprisingly. Yeah. But. <laughs> but like my thing with Trey is this. So I saw the Black Crows uh, New Year's Eve show. And originally it was North Mississippi All-Stars was the first opener. They still played. Um, mm. And then My Morning Jacket, who at that time I heard about and was kind of like, eh, like I didn't know about them. And of course, like in the next year, I got super into them. Um, they were supposed to be the second band, but Jim James got sick. So they backed out and the Trey Anastasio band came in as the second opener. And I was like, ex- I, I, originally I was like, oh man, this is going to be great. Like I get to see, you know, this is going to be a great live band. He was so boring. Like he was, <laughs> he, I couldn't, maybe because I didn't know the songs, but like, I feel like I was like my cousin Graham or, you know, Joe, Joe's bandmate Graham, who's like hates jamming. It was just like too much jamming. Like jamming mm-hmm. is good and I love jamming a lot. But when you're not into it, it's just so boring. And yeah. 
it was yeah. I I you know again I was I was kind of bummed maybe because I was so like thinking that they, he'd play a couple of Fish songs and stuff but like I don't know so yeah Fish is a band that I should be in because I do love the Dead not like you know I'm not a huge Deadhead but I really like them and I appreciate them and I like you know them I like that jam band scene stuff and I appreciate the musicianship. Um, you know, I was told when I was, uh, in high school, I looked like Trey Anastasio when he was in high school. <laughs> like there should be all these things that line up where I should be a big fish head. Yeah. I'm just not. And it's like, I don't, I don't care. I don't really, you know, I'll listen yeah. if they're on, but it's like, I'm not actively going to go out and try to listen to fish anymore. Yeah. Like, it's just, <laughs> Fish is a weird band in that even their fans, I think, say that their albums aren't good. It's weird. Like yeah, they're they one almost, of these huge bands that their fans are like, yeah, the albums suck. But it's all about the live show and the mm-hmm. covers. Well, that's and what the Mitchum whole was saying, right? Didn't Mitchum vibe. mention something totally. like that? I think so. I, yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's like, it's like, it's, okay, then if they don't like it, I'm not going to, like, what am I going <laughs> to, why am I going to even I guess I have waste to, like, time listening yeah, to it? I have to go to one of their big shows. The only song get, I know is Bouncing Around the, I think it's the only song I know of. Yeah, but it's just a I good barely song. know look, that one. They have, they have a couple of really good songs, and it's not like they're a bad band. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, they just never grabbed me, the way, you know, in ways that other bands in that same, similar genre have. Um, yeah. And so my last uh, blind spot is a, is a double whammy because... Um, I feel like it's a whole kind of subgenre that for some reason just doesn't connect with me. And the two bands are Oasis and Arctic Monkeys. I never, yeah, no, Joe's a big fan of both those bands. At least, you know, he loves Arctic Monkeys. I know that. Um, and no, I know, I, well, I would say I actually like Oasis probably more oh, really? okay. than Arctic Monkeys, yeah. 
you know, I knew the hits, and I think I think it was the I you know Wonderwall was there, and I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Like uh, it was kind of a cool song, and then. I don't know. They just blew up, and you know, at that time when they blew up, I was very much against bands that were blowing up. I thought they were like, you know, I, you know, I can't. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like you know, I, I don't want to be listening to them. <laughs> so I, I never got into them, and you know, even though I know, like, you know, what's the story? Morning Glory is a great album. The the, mm-hmm. the first album is, is supposedly really good, um, oh, and yeah. I've listened to both of them. I just can't get into them. And, like, you know, I've played the one that, that Noel sings um, on... Uh, don't Look Back in Anger. Yeah, Don't Look don't Back in Anger. Like, totally. that's a great song. Great you know, they song. have great songs. Like, it's it's not... Like, I just don't care for them. And when I saw them, again, they op- they played with the Black Crow. So, you know, I've yep. seen the Black Crow a lot. But they, when they that did that too, tour, yep. Brotherly Love Tour, mm-hmm. like, <sighs> I, di- I didn't know much of their stuff, like... And I, it was not a great. I didn't think they played great. I wasn't into them. They were known to be pretty rough live too, right? Yeah, I mean, like Liam's. I, I think at times it's. I think, yeah, you have to be in the right setting. Yeah. I think sometimes I think too. When they, they they covered "I Am the Walrus," that was a cool yeah, thing. Yeah, they always like, do that. Yeah. One of their one of their fans uh, was at Radio City, and the tier above me spilled a beer on me, like at, you know, in the middle wow. of their set. So it's just like, uh, and like. I, I've tried listening to the the Gallagher Brothers solo stuff. It just, I don't know. I just, I can't get into it. And it's the same thing with the Arctic Monkeys. Like, I've tried, mm-hmm. and I just, the whole British kind of rock scene, like, I've tried get, listening to it, and it just doesn't connect with me. Like, I don't know why. Like, I love older British rock. Like, I love where all this stuff came from. Mm-hmm. But it's just nothing has connected, and I just... I don't care at this point. Like, it's just, I, 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 you know, like, I don't know what it is, but maybe, you know, it's just, it's not where I don't, I'm just not putting the effort in. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. With, with the Oasis with me, um, I had definitely maybe I was in high school or I think just started high school maybe when it came out and I had that CD in it and I listened to it all the time, all the time, front to back. I was like, this is great. I loved it. It is like a classic. It is really awesome. And then yeah. once the story came out and similar to what Josh said, what happened was in America, all we heard was Wonderwall over yeah. and over. And Champagne and Supernova. And Champagne Super, yeah. Supernova. So it's like mm-hmm. the two ballads. And I never got what's the story until, you know, I was like way later, 10 years later or something. I think past college or definitely at least in college. So I never knew like the rock songs because they never mm-hmm. played on MTV, nothing. You never no. heard... The title track or, um, I mean, there's a lot of great rock songs on that album. And then I kind of was like, ah, Oasis is kind of, in American general, but we all kind of like, ah, Oasis is over. They kind of were falling apart a little bit in the in the UK too. And then when I got to college, our friend, my friend Johnny, who's a huge supporter of all of everything British rock. He's the opposite of Josh. <laughs> totally. In a lot of ways. Yeah. And, uh, but he... He kind of, for years, he like worked me down like, Joe, Oasis really is like the band that you're going to like and they're right up your alley and they're like blues rock and they're, and I kind of resisted for a while. Then after a while, I was like, you're right. Like they are, I'm not a, like they're not my favorite band, but I've definitely grown to appreciate all their albums. They definitely have gems on all their, you know, even later albums and and stuff like that. And I do listen to the Gallagher Brothers solo stuff is, is good. You know, it's not unbelievable, but I mean, there's definitely good songs on, on all of them. And totally. so I know what you mean. I think a lot of Oasis was really how they were like perceived in America and like the press towards them. 
Yes. It was very weird. And Blur too. Blur, I didn't know anything about Blur except song two. That's all yeah. I knew until college. Totally. And then again, just we knew you know, this person I knew, he like filled me in on the all like everything going on with the rivalry between Oasis and Blur and Yep. Yeah. So, but Arctic Monkeys too. I'm not a huge fan of them. I did like them when they first came out. Yeah, I remember like but, just hearing about that first album was like some mind blowing yeah. thing. And I was, yep. I remember, I think I checked it out like at it's Borders or something, and I was like, I don't know, this doesn't seem that great. Like I just, I couldn't get into it. Like maybe it was again. <laughs> well, the there are some great songs, but but like yeah. yeah, I just couldn't get into that first album. And I just never really cared. They're, about they're very them. unique. I mean, the singer's very unique voice, and um, but I was gonna say that you know their album AM has become like, I think one of the biggest rock albums of the last decade, for sure. It's mm. got huge with like millennials and younger people. Mm. And I don't really like that. I mean, those songs like, uh, Are You Mine? And Do I Want to Know? They're just okay to me. But they're really, like, I can't believe how big they are with like younger um, fans. I'm mm. surprised, but. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, so, I mean, I could go on for a bunch of different musical blind spots, <laughs> but those were mine, like my, my big very ones. Good. And, you know, yeah, I good choices, good. guys. Yeah, I, think, choice I think we definitely around. came, and we could probably go on and have multiple episodes of this, but we won't uh, do yeah. that. And we hope, you know, we hope you guys enjoyed this. Or if you guys like discussion. it, yeah, maybe yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll go into the ones that have like changed, right? Or, um, you know, I like or, that too. Yeah, so I mean, or yeah, if you guys want to like, true. yeah, let us know like what we think about our, our opinions and how we should change them and what we should listen to to maybe get us out of these blind spots. So uh, speaking of what we don't listen to, what are we listening to right now? Let's you know do the flip side of what we actually actively are listening to that is directly in front of us as we're driving down the road. Let's go with uh, I, I usually don't go first, but uh, you know I don't want to like go right into it. So I'll let I'll, Steve. Why don't you go first today? And cool. that way it's a little smoother transition here. Even though I'm just babbling on now. <laughs> so. Um I'm going to start with a, a song that uh, is not new, but I saw it performed in a new setting and it really like moved me almost to tears. Actually, the Tom Petty birthday bash stream was like a highlight of my past past month or two. It was just so well done. Uh, it kind of had our, our group of friends in this texting frenzy chain. And then we're like, where's Joe? Joe, come on. You gotta, ah, watch it. But we were kind of just like reacting to a lot of these covers. A lot of them, were pure covers from Wildflowers and all the rest, which is, you know, this like new package where it was like the intended double album and this whole thing. But they covered, well, technically covered, it wasn't really covered. It was um, Mike Campbell and Ben Montench did Something Good Coming. I'm watching the river. You're watching the coast. Suddenly I know what I want the most, and I want to tell you. about the 
which is already a, a emotional and like just beautiful song. But I feel like the way that they, like the emotion that they brought to it in the stream was just like, like we miss, we miss our friend Tom. Like we, he's, he's our family. Like we miss him so much. And dude, it was amazing. Like I, I think that's like, could be a definitive version for them. And I'm like hoping I can find it to put in the stream. And if not, you'll hear the, the studio version. But I just thought it was the highlight, one of the highlights of that, of that stream. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. It was really cool. That whole, I didn't see all of it. I kind of watched some after the fact. I kind of scrolled through, but it was really well done. Yeah. Very well yeah. done. Some very cool performances. I hope they re-release it on, I'm sure they will have like some DVD, but I just thought that every band, you know, it's like, obviously some bands did like free falling and, and the, and the main super mega hits. But, um, I feel like the, the beauty of some of these covers were that they were some like deep cuts from wildflowers and other stuff. And it, you just see how broad his style and discography was. So I just, I was very stoked on that. Cool. And then um, number two is uh, the solo album of this guy, Steven Wilson. Can you be me for a moment? Yeah, live inside me. I see the world, the way it always looks to me. Basically, for anyone who uh, doesn't really know Stephen Wilson, he is the lead singer, was the lead singer of Porcupine Tree, which is like, speaking of, we were talking about Prague uh, royalty, I guess. He was drawn in to Russian King Crimson and all that stuff. And if you hear his earlier stuff, the Porcupine Tree might've had that kind of vibe. And then they kind of started to become a little bit more, I almost want to say like Tool and Pink Floyd influenced, but this new stuff, especially the song King Ghost, he just has an insanely beautiful singing voice. Uh, the music video is great, but his new album I pre-ordered just because I heard the, the three songs and I feel like if you could pass the three song test, like that's kind of my my thumbs up to maybe check an album out. It's another album that he's known to do, which is kind of like on the, the insanity of, of our current age. So um, he's kind of playing everything very, what's the word? Like he is a corporate drone kind of character and obviously he's breaking out of that shell, I guess. So mm. it'll be interesting. He's just, he's one of those guys that I don't think he's classically trained, but musically he just, he taps into something and I've just, I've just always loved it. I don't know. I, I think you guys, you guys would dig. And then uh, the last song is um, a song that uh, I think I'm just going to relate to the election, but also in general, I just thought it was like a really phenomenal, slow funk song slash more soul, I guess. And it's Duran Jones and the Indications, Power to the People.
crazily and um, I think I got like an email from one of the band Fridays and I listened to it and I was just like you know a lot of bands right now are are really tapping into this you know this energy of, of we can and make a change you know and, and not just electorally you know in an electoral sense like as a country we're really reevaluating everything and everything that matters, especially with COVID. So I think it's just like tying a bow on like what this election is going to mean, us going to the polls and like, you know, no matter what, like the fact that we're going to have maybe the highest turnout ever, ever in an election in this country to me is like super inspiring, no matter what happens. So, yeah. All right. So what I'm listening to these days are pretty much three artist bands that uh, I really love. And they've put out some new music, some new albums just dropped uh, within the last month or two. The first band is Dawes. Um, their new album, Good Luck With Whatever, came out recently. And I'm really digging the title track, Good Luck With Whatever. In a Chevy Suburban With the government plates And an idling engine While I'm planning out my escape Like most Dawes albums, it takes a while for me to get into them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting for them to remake uh, or do something like they did with uh, We're All Gonna Die, which is my favorite album by them. But, you know, this is a solid album. It's definitely, you know, it's nothing amazing. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if, you know, Taylor Goldsmith uh, was influenced by, you know, his writing for his wife Mandy Moore's latest album, if that affected, uh, you know, what he was going for. But a lot of this album has to do with, uh, you know, kind of growing up, dealing with, uh, you know, expectations and stuff. So it's a, it's a cool, solid album, and um, I'm enjoying it. The next thing that I'm listening to is uh, the new Jeff Tweedy solo album, Love is the King. You know, I'm a big Wilco fan, and it took me a while to get into Jeff Tweedy's solo stuff. I didn't really try to listen to the Tweedy album. Um, I was kind of like, uh, he's doing something with his son, like, you know. And I never really gave it a listen, but I recently bought that album. It's great. But with this album, you know, I didn't buy his, his last album, Warm. That I wish I, I kind of, I might have to go back and re-listen to that and maybe get that one too. But this one, like the single that they dropped, Gwendolyn, was like, oh, this is a little harder. This is like, I like this. Guess again, it's you. I can do 
Guess again, my love Guess again, my love for you I know that he recorded this recently with his sons, Spencer on drums again, um, and his son Sam, I think, was either doing some background vocals, maybe did some bass too. But I'm pretty sure it was just mainly the three of them working in uh, Wilco's uh, recording studio, The Loft, during this pandemic. And so I really think it's a really cool album. And uh, his wife has been posting on her Instagram the Tweety Show like every week or mm-hmm. twice a week where it's just they're filming in their house and usually Jeff like will break out a guitar or they'll all be playing and it's just a really cool just like insight into their lives and so that kind of got me thinking oh, you know maybe I'll check this uh, this album out and this song Guess Again Jeff played it like on this Instagram live thing and it was just so good and it, it really it's my favorite song off the, this album. And then the last uh, thing that I've been listening to, which I haven't been really listening to a lot, but have been over the last couple of uh, months as they've been dropping songs, is the new Wolfpack album, The Joy of Music, The Job of Real Estate. Yeah. My favorite track off that is the first track, Three on E. Ain't ancient secret that's been passed on orally. Stick up your whiskey, touch, drink, and don't be. Also appears on this uh, the Antoine Staley compilation that they put out earlier this year. But this album's interesting because Wolfpack has, since I guess 2011, has been putting out an album every year. They put these out by themselves. They have no record label. And then last year, their album that they put out was the Live at Mass Square Garden album, where the show that Steve and I actually were at. Um, yep. It was actually the only show, but it was you know amazing. It was a double album. People were hoping for another album of original music, uh, new stuff. And this album is kind of like a hodgepodge of of stuff that Mm -hmm. they've recorded before that have been put out on YouTube. One's a live track from uh, one of their Brooklyn Bowl shows from like 2013, 2014, something like that. I don't know. Early on, um, it has Bernard Purdy playing. Uh, They're covering something by the Beatles. So it's not like... It's not uh, all brand new Wolfpack. And then the last song on this album, <laughs> which is, is kind of crazy, but Jack Stratton is is a crazy man, and he knows mm-hmm. he's a genius in, in, in many respects. They decided to, or he decided to, auction off the last track of the album to <laughs> anybody, whoever was the highest bidder on eBay. Yep. Um, and it went for like over $70,000. I want to say it was close to $80,000, maybe more. And this band, Earthquake Lights, uh, I guess one, we didn't know that until they released the song. It's kind of like a Ben Folds type song. So, I, uh, you know, I like Ben Folds, yeah. but not, you know, it's it's okay. But, yeah. you know, it's also kind of annoying that you have all of these, you know, it's they're great funk, soul, R&B band, and then you have this yeah. at the end of the album. It's kind like, of a weird it. bookend, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I give the guy props. He took all, you know, the band took all that money and then, did donors choose like just to arts programs, like spent nice. all the money, like didn't keep Very any cool. of it so cool. and just put in. And that's another thing why I love Wolfpack is like, besides the fact that they are 
the, I, I mean, I know, you know, that there's a lot of DIY people out, but the, these guys have gamed the system in so many ways and they really have built a fan base organically yep. and they, you know, put out albums all the time. They're great players. They have, a, you know, a great reputation amongst the music world. They know who their fans are and they love their fans and they appreciate their fans and they're never trying to make them suffer, you know, or like, you know, put anything out. And I know this album has gotten a lot of people upset, um, <laughs> but you know what? I posted this on Reddit. I'm saying, look, you may not like it, but come on. These guys have been putting out albums every year. They're DIY. Mm-hmm. Just you can you can you don't have to like the album, but don't be pissed off at these guys. These guys work hard yeah. <laughs> all the time and they put out great stuff. And they're putting out stuff for you guys every year, unlike a lot of bands. So anyway, that's what I've been listening to. So for my picks, I'm gonna start with uh the new Gorillas album. They nice. just dropped a brand new album called Song Machine, Season One, Strange Times. Nice. Gorillas, I'm a, you know, I wouldn't call myself really a fan. I mean, I, I like the hits. They've been around for amazingly almost 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Pretty great career. I started listening to this album and it's pretty long, but I, I got through it. It's really great, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, collaborations. Basically, every track has like a guest person on it. Robert Smith from The Cure, mm-hmm. Beck, St. Vincent, Elton John. Uh, but the song I want to spotlight is with uh, Peter Hook from New Order, Joy mm-hmm. Division. And the song is called Aries. that classic Peter Hook New Order bass in it. Mm. And it's really catchy, cool like dance song. Yeah, I highly recommend going to check out that album from Gorillaz. And I was thinking about Gorillaz. They're, they could be a, like a rock and roll Hall of Fame act at this point. Yeah. In, yeah. in a way. Like they, all crazy. their albums are critically acclaimed generally. Mm-hmm. They're like big in different circles. Crazy how they've kind of lasted. But led by, of course, Damon Albarn from, yeah. from Blur. Blur, which we mentioned earlier. And it sounds like they're trying to be more experimental with each session, right? Like, it's almost like we're going to yeah. get together and I don't know, do they have a time limit for each session? Like, it's like two days and they have to be done or something? Not sure. But, you know, again, going back to our you know, Brit Rock talk from earlier, my friend who's who's a massive uh, Damon Albarn fan constantly uh, updates me on his whereabouts and, yeah, and what he's, he's doing. But he is pretty amazing you know, again, his career, just going from Blur and then his solo albums, Gorillas, 
even another album band called the good, the bad and the queen. He's all, he, he does a lot. He kind of, he's like a British Beck. And I always thought about, totally. he sort of just goes from different genre, but pretty impressive. But the next pick I had was from the band fuzz. Speaking of also earlier this episode, Ty Siegel, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of his side bands. They just came out with their third album under the name fuzz. He actually plays drums and sings. So he, he doesn't even play guitar in this, in this act. Mm. The album's called three. Fuzz is a very heavy, like heavy 70s Black Sabbath vibe going on Fuzz. Nice. It's like straight up like heavy rock. And the last pick I had is a band very similar in the Ty Siegel vein. They're called the OCs. Yes. And they're led by a guy, John Dwyer, who's very much like Ty Siegel. He's just like super prolific. They release multiple albums (laughs) a year. Yep. They've been around for 20 years. Very... Even a little wilder garage rock mixed with like prog rock. And they have three new albums out. One came out in September called Protein Threat. Another one I just bought on Bandcamp digitally uh, called Metamorphosed. They have a live album also came out. And they have another album coming out in December (laughs) also. Um, Song I wanted to play here is called uh, If I Had My Way. And this is from Protein Threat. good they're they're cool again some of their stuff is like gets out there i know steve you liked their album like two years ago or was mm-hmm. it two years ago they yes, had like a little more yeah one of, or was I, it smoke know, reverser smoke reverser is the one it's like a little more it's got like instrumentals and yeah a little funkier and stuff it's cool but they're 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 really good they're they seem to be like in a real groove right now yeah
Thanks for listening to this episode, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you like the show, we'd love for you to subscribe and tell your fellow music-loving dads or moms or anyone to check out the podcast. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Dad Rocks Pod, and also on Facebook by searching up Dad Rocks Podcast. If you have any question, comments, or any show ideas for us, uh, or just want to give us a shout or tell us how our musical blind spots are terrible and we should be listening to specific bands and what songs we should be listening to by them, please email us at dadrockspod at gmail.com. Seriously, we'd love to hear from you. Also, we have a Spotify playlist of all the music you have heard on the podcast today, which should be linked in the podcast description. We have playlists from previous episodes as well, so go check them out. Thanks again for listening, and remember, dads, you rock.